Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, and I'm going to preach a one and done message. Is that all right? Normally we do series, and I'm starting a series, of course, on Christmas next week, but I'm preaching a one and done message, and the title of my message today is Anxious for Nothing, Anxious for Nothing. You know, I just felt like, and it seems like, especially since the pandemic started almost two years ago, I feel like every three months, I have to remind myself to not let fear get a hold of me. And I feel like it's almost like I have to re-preach it over and over again, because every time it seems like we take one step away from all of the fear and the chaos and the craziness that it's just trying to pull us back in. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's just, it's just every time you try to get away from it, it's like, oh no, something, here comes something that's worse. Never something that's better. It's never going to be like, oh, there's a new variant, but don't worry about it. It's not even bad. No, it's always going to be worse than the last one. And I'm not saying that's not real or true or accurate. I'm just saying it seems like that's, that's what's happening. And there is an agenda, and I don't believe it's, it's all this, you know, this political agenda. I mean, there might be some of that, but I'm not going to get into that stuff. I believe there's a, there's a demonic agenda to try to put fear on us. Now, listen, we should use caution. We should be wise and be smart, okay? Use all the caution that you feel is necessary for you. I believe in that with all of my heart. There's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, we can't let fear overwhelm us. So there's a difference between being cautious and being fearful. Amen? And so we just have to make sure that we're not going to let anxiety overwhelm us. Because I know that it just comes in waves, this fear. And I just felt like, I was talking to my wife and I felt like, I said, honey, I feel like God's given me a message on fear. But it's just like, I just feel like I preached on that just a little while ago. But it's one of these you got to just keep reminding yourself over and over again. I actually looked up the word anxiety, right, on, and Webster's. And here's, what, here's the definition of the, the word anxiety. It says, a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. And I thought that's most people today. So many people are nervous. There's nervousness about what's going on in the world. There's, a, there's an uneasiness about the future, whether it is what's happening in your world, your house, financially, physically, your family, you see what I'm saying? Politically, what's happening in the world. I mean, there's just this nervousness. People are nervous. And even though things might look good in one area, you just feel like at any moment, come on now, at any moment, this whole thing is going to fall apart. It's kind of like you ever go into a house and if you ever remodeled or done any work, you know, you, sometimes you can walk into a space and it looks okay. It actually looks good, but there's just paint covering something that is rotten, something that's molded, that if you pull back the paneling, if you pull back, if you begin to touch the drywall, you realize that it's all rotten, that it's wet, that it's mold, that it might look good from a distance, but once you get close or once you put any pressure on it, right, the whole thing's going to fold. 
And I feel like that, that's almost the, the way the world is, is trying to condition us. It's trying to get us to live in this fear to where we feel like at any moment, the next text, the next email, the next news event, it's just going to be catastrophe. This whole thing's falling apart. And even though it seems like we've got everything in order like we should, but it, it just seems like it's not good enough. We're not, we're not okay enough. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough resources. We don't have enough stuff. We need to be doing more. And it just feels like we get into this fear that just begins to bombard us. And the question is, is how do we respond to that? Right? Because when anxiety begins to build up, many times we respond from our anxiety. We, we respond from fear. Listen to what Job said in Job chapter 20. He said this, Therefore my anxious thoughts make me answer because of the turmoil within me. You hear that? My anxious thoughts make me answer. Because there's turmoil within me, my response is one of anxiety. I respond with anxious thoughts. I respond based on fear. I respond based on the anxiety. Whatever is going on within me eventually is going to come out. So we have to learn how to respond to the anxiety, right? And the Apostle Paul when he was writing his one and only letter that we have recorded to the church of Philippi, he was ending in chapter 4. Chapter 4 is the final chapter. And right before he got to what is considered like the salutation, and he says, finally, he says these words, a very famous scripture, but I want to read it to you in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything... By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then he says, finally, brethren, whatever things are pure, whatever things are, are true, accurate, of a good report, think on those things. So he's ending his letter, but the Holy Spirit impresses upon Paul to write these words. It says this, tell the church of Philippi, be anxious for nothing. Amen? And I felt like the Holy Spirit just kind of reminded me today, hey, listen, would you get up and say those same words because somebody here is anxious, somebody here is restless, somebody here is nervous, they have an, an uneasiness about the future. Would you just remind them and say to them the same thing? Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Pray. Amen? Tell God. Talk to God. Have a conversation. Be thankful. Be grateful, right? And this is what happens. When you do that, the peace of God that is unexplainable, peace in the midst of the storm, peace in the midst of the chaos, peace that doesn't make sense, peace when you shouldn't have peace, and the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. There's a Bible scholar named Thayer, and he takes that word guard and he breaks down the Greek definition of what that word really means. And he says this, it actually has a twofold meaning. It means guard, like to protect, like a, a military would protect, like we think that word would mean. So it actually does mean that. But there's a second meaning to the word. It's not just what guards from the outside, it also helps guard what is inside. It helps keep what is inside 
inside, right? And it says this, it actually keeps the, the inhabitants who are, who are being attacked, the inhabitants who, who are being bombarded, and actually keeps them safe inside. And listen, what happens is our thoughts, right? When the devil puts thoughts in our mind, those thoughts have a tendency to escape and just run rampant. They just begin to go, go wild. And the Bible says that the peace of God actually keeps your thoughts from going crazy, from running rampant, from suddenly, all of a sudden, you've got the first twinge, and the next thing you know, you're thinking about diagnosis and cancer and what's going to happen to my kids and what's going to happen to my family and, and, and have I done enough? I mean, we actually had a person here that attended our church that had a diagnosis and they allowed their thoughts to run so rampant they began to pick out the clothes they wanted to be buried in. Begin to go to their spouse and say, well, this is what I want you to, you to put me in when I'm in the casket. I mean, how do we get there? We allow our thoughts to just run rampant. We don't let the peace of God keep them, guard them. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says this, you have to take your thoughts captive, right? Because they have a tendency to run wild. And so the peace of God guards them. I want to give you three keys to really how you're going to conquer and overcome anxiety because you have to conquer it and, and and so i want to give you these write these down or find a way to to get them record them somehow the first one is this first uh, you have to number one understand the root of your anxiety there may be an actual moment there may be a place there may be something that happened to you as a child or as a teenager or even as an adult there may be a a, a relationship that was severed or or some kind of rejection that you experienced or a near death experience that you had that instilled some sort of fear or worry or anxiety in your life and you can't seem to get past that it's, I almost drowned, and ever since then, I've had this phobia, this fear. And you're just kind of stuck in that moment. And you just keep reminded of that moment. The devil brings it back to your remembrance. So do you remember that moment? And you're stuck, and there's a root there that you need to sever. You need to break that thing. You need to ask God to heal that memory. I say it like this. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Sometimes we have to take our eyes. It's as if we take our eyes, and we actually look backwards into our brain, into our mind, and we think of our mind as a gallery. It's a museum where there's all these pictures, and those pictures are events. They're things that happen to us. They're moments. And sometimes we have negative moments. We have that moment where we were abused, the moment where we were rejected, the moment where we felt the pain. And they're like pictures on a wall. If we could see inside our mind. And you have to take those pictures down. And you have to put up new pictures. I mean, you have to take those things down and say, I refuse to be held captive by what happened to me as a child, as a teenager, as an adult. I will not be stuck in a moment. I will not be stuck in that time when I felt that pain. I will allow healing to come to my life. I will take that picture down and put up a new picture. It's a picture of who I am in Christ. It's a picture of what God has done for me. It's a picture of his love, his grace, his mercy, and his forgiveness. Somebody say amen. We have to just put up some new pictures. And so you've got to get to the root of that thing. Amen? 
And the next thing that you have to do is, the next thing you have to do is, you really have to come against the enemy's lies. Because the enemy lies to you, and you have to expose them. He lies. In fact, you know how often he lies? Every chance he gets. Everything he says is a lie. Did you hear me? Everything he says. John chapter 8 actually says this. This is Jesus talking, and he's actually chastising the Pharisees. He says, you're of your father, the devil. And he says, I know all about that guy. And he begins to talk about the devil. And he says this, there is no truth in him. And then he goes on to say, he is not only a liar, he is the father of lies. He's the father of lies. There's no truth in him. Everything he says is a lie. And you know how easy it is sometimes to believe it? We just believe it, you know? If, if, and I said this earlier even when we were praying. If our parents died at a certain age, you know what I mean? The devil will tell you, well, then you're going to die at that age. It's hereditary. It's genetic. You're susceptible to that thing. I mean, you know what I mean? And so, so we just believe the lie. And all of a sudden, we put a timetable on our life, and we begin to think about it. We begin to meditate on it, and that lie just becomes instilled in our brain, right? The devil will tell you that you're going to have to live on, on nothing. You're going to retire with nothing. Do you know? Here's what happened to me. Listen, this comes to anybody at any moment. I actually took my son to the Dollar Tree, right, which is now the Dollar 25 tree. I don't know if you heard about this. <laughs> They don't raise their prices. So, so, you know, I take them a lot, and I'll say, go ahead and pick three things, because I'm generous. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> go ahead, spend your $3, you know what I mean? Because how often do the toys last like 30 minutes? They break on the way home. I'm like, there they go. They got me again. But anyway, now he's graduated to the $5, five and below. I, how did we get there? What happened to the $2 store? I mean, it was, now it's $5. So anyway, so I was at the dollar store, and I said, go ahead and pick out three things. And, you know, it takes them a while. And so I'm kind of like walking around shopping. And I don't do much shopping there. I kind of stick to the toy aisle. But then I thought, wow, there's a lot of stuff in here. I'm like, they even got food. You know, and I was walking by the food. And here's the thought that came to me. You know, if you ever go broke... You could live off $20 a week at the dollar store. You could get 20 frozen dinners. I'm like computing this in my brain. You can get 20 frozen dinners, eat three a day times seven, and you'll still have a few left over in case you're really hungry, you know? And I thought, you know, if I ever go broke, I'm going to make it because the dollar store. <laughs> but by the time I retire, it'll be the, the $1.50 store. I don't know. So that, and then I had to stop that thought from coming into my brain. I refuse. I'm not going to have to live at the dollar store. Come on, somebody. You know, I've never had to live at the dollar store. I've been able to shop at Publix and Costco, you know what I mean? The dollar store. But the devil will tell you these lies. He'll tell you you're going to have to live on less. You're not going to make it. The slightest pain means cancer. He will lie to you over and over again. And you have to expose the lie. 
And here's how Jesus exposed the lie. Every time the devil came to him and presented some sort of lie, he said, devil, it is written. Amen? And we have to speak God's word. That's why it's so important for you to open up your Bible and read and read and read and read and read. Amen? And read some more. And get to the truth inside of you. And say, no, listen, I'm an overcomer. I'm not, I'm not below. I'm above and not beneath. Amen? I'm not going to live in, in poverty and lack. I'm going to live in abundance. Amen? God's going to take care of me. Hallelujah? So you have to expose the enemy's lies. You can't let him just run rampant in your brain. You could pray, ask God, right? Because the next one is this. You have to speak the truth. Right? The third thing is this, speak the truth, right, in praying, asking, and thanking God. Speak the truth by praying, asking, and thanking. Can I just remind you of Philippians chapter 4, what we read? It said this, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, what? By prayer and supplication, supplication is asking, and with thanksgiving, See, praying and asking goes together, but it says this. You have to add this, thanksgiving. So you speak the truth by praying, asking, and thanking. And when you've done that, here's what it says. The peace of God floods your heart. The peace of God floods your mind. The peace of God keeps your thoughts from running rampant, right? It guards them, not only from outside influence, from escaping and allowing your mind to just go crazy. Right? It's just the peace of God. So you have to speak the truth. Amen? You can't let the devil win and put these thoughts in your mind. You know, one of the definitions, the definition that I just read about anxiety had to do with an uncertain future. But do you know this? When you trust God, your future is certain. You can trust an uncertain future to a very certain God. Because God has never failed anybody. Amen? And frankly, he's not going to start with you. Come on now. Amen? He's never failed anyone in the history of time. Why would he start with you? Listen, God is faithful, faithful, faithful. And the Bible says when you hear his words, you obey his words, your house is built on a solid rock. And when storms come, guess what? Your house is still standing. Amen? You have to trust that regardless of what happens to our country economically, regardless of what happens with the pandemic, if five more waves come, all worse than the last, guess what? We're going to be okay. Our feet are on solid ground. By his stripes, we're healed. We can still claim that God is on the throne and he's got us in this moment. Amen? We have to believe that. Listen to the scripture. Listen to the scripture in Jeremiah today. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7 says this. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river. And watch this, will not fear when the heat comes. Woo, the devil's tried to put the heat on. Come on now. He has cranked up the heat the last two years. You see that? But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding 
fruit. Amen? Listen, we just have to believe that our roots are going down deep. And we are planted by a, a river of living water that never runs dry. Right? And we have to believe that those roots touch water every time. And listen, the devil can turn up the heat, and he's going to. And let me just tell you, with what's happening in our world, it gets, it's hot. But do you know it's been worse? It's been worse. You say, well, pastor, how can it get any worse? Listen, I'm not that old. Amen. But, but I remember gas lines. Some of y'all don't remember them, but if you grew up in, in the 70s and you remember some of that, listen, do you remember gas lines? I'm not talking about hurricane gas lines. I'm talking about everywhere, all over, gas lines. You say, well, look at what's happening you know, politically and racially. Some of you remember the 60s. It was bad then. It was bad then. So it's been worse. And I'm not saying it's going to get better overnight. I'm just saying this. Listen, we have to trust God in the midst of all of this craziness. It's crazy. It's been crazy. And it could get crazier. But it's also been crazy before. And God brought us through last time. Amen? And God's brought you through. Have you ever went without food or a house or anything like that? You have to trust God. Look, I've had food on the table. I've had a roof over my head. I've had clothes on my back. Thank God I've had the car to drive. Listen, and God who's brought me this far isn't about to let me down now. My roots go down deep and my roots touch living water. Amen? And I trust God that in this moment, he's going to keep me. Amen? It's kind of like this. Let me end with this. I was talking to somebody the other day, and I said, they said, you know, I was talking about my oldest son. He's, he's a very affectionate kid. He's always just kind of been affectionate. Sometimes it just happens that way. And he's been affectionate. And I said, yeah, you know, I remember when we were at, at Bush Gardens, and he's like 12, 13 years old. He's just holding my hand going through the whole park. I mean, that was just him. He didn't care what anybody thought. I mean, he just, you know, that's just been, always been him. He's always been affectionate. And I said this, the thing about, about when you hold your kid's hand is you may say to them, hey, hey, hold my hand. And they'll put their hand in yours. And the truth is, is that, they're not holding your hand. You're really holding their hand. Right? And that's one thing when you're just strolling. But in times where it's serious, when you're crossing the street, when you're in a grocery store, when you're worried about where they're going to wander off to or what's going to happen to them, you will say to them, hey, hey, hold my hand. Right? And they give you some sort of grip, Right? But the truth is, is you really have a grip on them. And if you ever feel them tug, if you ever feel them pull, what happens? Your grip tightens. Your grip tightens. Listen, I'm telling you, God in this moment, he's tightening his grip. I just feel that. I feel like God's going, no, no, no. I got you. I got you. I'm going to ask Pastor Mark to come in this moment. Some of you need to just feel that embrace. You need to feel that grip. You need to know that God has you in this moment. And here's what happens. When you open up the word of God and you begin to get the word of God in you, you begin to realize, hey, God, you have me in this moment. You have me financially. After first service today, somebody came up to me and they said, Pastor, I needed that because I feel like I'm about to lose my job. And I'm just not sure what's going to happen to us financially. 
but I was just reminded that God's got us. God's got us. Amen? And he does. He's got you financially. He's got you physically. He's got you emotionally. He's got you in every area of your life. Don't allow fear, anxiety, and worry to overwhelm you. Can we just pray today for the peace of God that surpasses all understanding that doesn't even make sense? The peace of God that would say in the midst of the chaos that's going to happen when I walk out these doors today, I can trust God and not be anxious and not worry and not just fall asleep and and just wake up in the middle of the night just going, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. I mean, we're always worried about the future. But when we put our trust in God, the Bible says we're like a tree planted by a river. When the devil turns up the heat or when there's drought, listen, we're green. God's got this. Can I pray for you today?